All right, everybody, we're live. What's up, everybody? Hello, Joel. Hello, breadheads. Come on, babies, let's join the gluten gang. It is time to cargo load. I am Joel Wachowski. This is Hold My Bread, the $919.50 podcast. Last week, we were in the trenches. It was $757. But now, we rise like a phoenix from the ashes into the realm of near $1,000 again. So life is good. I'm enjoying the Great Depression 2.0. I was born to live in bailout culture. I don't know about you, Maddie. <laughs> what makes you say that? Hey, if, if we are all... If corporations can be people, I think it's time for us people to be corporations. Automakers, they make shitty cars. They get a bailout. Boeing, they make planes that crash into the ground. They get a bailout. Crappy student loan companies, they get a bailout. And now, I didn't have any 9-to-5 job. I've been living on just hustling. And now, I have no way to earn a living. So, hey, you know what? Government giving me a bailout. I'm beyond money. I know it'll come to me someday, but right now I am making the best of it. Damn, you just sold me. You're absolutely right. I'm going to incorporate myself so that I can't, I'm too big to fail. Yeah. If you're a grocery store worker and you're risking your life for barely above minimum wage, sorry. If you did a good job handling your company and can handle this economic darn, darn time, downturn i'm sorry and if you're a doctor nurse working without proper gear risking yours and your family's health to save our lives i'm sorry here i don't contribute anything but the government contributes to me it's a beautiful thing well i mean i just said this to you a minute ago uh today was my first official day of unemployment that's right your boy is unemployed um i uh, never been on unemployment before and uh, i signed up yesterday and got to claim my first I don't even know how much money I'm going to get, but I claimed it. You're probably going to get up around $900. I'm on track to make $1,100. I haven't gotten through the system yet, but you know what? I'm sinking all of that money in to VIG, the anti-volatility index. I haven't spent a dollar this entire thing. I'm just scrounging food. Gas is a dollar a gallon. So, hey, I'm just out here living my life kind of gallivanting about the country, taking advantage of my good immune system to make this a Pilates vacation. A Pilates-cation. Yeah, you got me on that. I'm going to do that when we finish recording. I'm going to do my first day of uh, Pilates. Have you done it yet? No, I haven't done it. I'm going to start today. Oh, it's incredible. As someone who's six foot three, when I started, I was like, I was up to like 235. And, um, you know, I have all these, like, I'm, I'm a strong dude, I'm in good shape, but there's all these muscle groups I haven't addressed. So as a, my body type is Dr. Big Boy, Pilates is a very <laughs> valuable thing boy. for me to do. Dr. Big Boy reporting for duty. Yeah, Dr. Big Boy, I'm getting limber, I'm getting stronger, and truly, I'm going to come out of this not only financially healthy, but I'm going to come out as one of the greatest comedian pickup basketball players we've ever seen ethan simmons patterson i know you're listening to this in between your shifts being heroic being a nurse at your hospital god bless you but i'm coming for your ass the game belongs to me you're going to be second fiddle it's going to be great you're going to beat him because he's not going to show up yeah that's how it often happens with ethan i'm going to beat him because he'll be overworked from actually contributing to society 
Yeah, isn't it crazy to know that, that to think about how we? I mean, he's he's just like always been consistently one of the best people that I've known, um, and now he is truly, I mean, a hero. Yeah. Good for you, Ethan. You you save us. We're just gonna go live it up in the Great Depression 2.0. Yeah. It's about making content for fifty dollars, spending That's twelve right. hours making videos for a hundred dollars. You know what? Time. We're just spinning our wheels. You're saving us all. But you know what? I think we do have something that the nurses don't have, and that's knowledge. Like, all we need to do is to act responsible enough to become a large company, and we don't have to be responsible anymore. That's right. You have to just get you have to just get big enough to be reckless. Yeah, we scale up, then we boogie down. That's going to be the whole of my breadway. I, I do think there is a good. I have my best prospect for making my mint in this world, though. I am really excited about it. I think we should make our money as SEC whistleblowers, ratting out insider trading to the Securities and Exchange Commission. You know what I learned? That's not a bad idea. Here's what I learned. Um, If you catch someone cheating on their taxes and you report them, you get a percentage of what the government recovers. Yeah, you do that, but they also have it for not just taxes, but for insider trading. So for issues like this, I'm probably going to turn in Kelly Loeffler because then you get 30% of all the money they they collect. It's incredible. Like This might be one of Obama's greatest policies he signed into effect before the SEC had a bounty program that didn't really work. And now, over the past eight years, the amount of people turned in for insider trading has gone up every year. It's such a good idea. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I don't, I just, you know, I put on my spurs and my black cowboy hat and I go out bounty hunting these cheaters. Absolutely. People have been paid out 50 million, 39 million, 37 million, 33 million, and 30 million dollars. That's why when we go back to New York, when we go back to New York, my first order of business is to work my way in. The inner circle of a Wall Street firm. I'm going to get close to somebody. I'm going to have them make me their confidant, and then I'm going to stab them in the back uh, and send their ass to prison and tear their family apart and make a profit doing it because I am a hero. Yeah, it's great. And it's also like the Securities and Exchange Commission, they pay these out through the Investor Protection Fund, which also is just a stock portfolio. I think it's mostly ETFs, I believe. Like in 2016, it had like 368 million. And, you know, they're always refilling it. They're making money in the market and they're doing short term investments with the Bureau of Public Debt. So the money will be there either way. It's on us to collect it. That's right. And I know, speaking of collecting money, I know we're a little late on the episode this week. I'm sorry, Matt. I know we worked very hard to do the episode last night, correct? We did. We, we did all we could, really, but things kind of got, it just kind of spiraled out of our control. So uh, we, we got invited to join a poker game at 7 p.m. Central Time, where I'm staying. I joined the game. It's 16 people. And we're both playing pretty well. We're kind of the titans of our table. And the tables merge. I have. Out of 80,000 chips, I have 30,000. The next closest is 7,000. So, huge gap. I, I keep accruing funds. I get up to, 
I have about 50,000. The rest of the table has 25. And like, I'm not going to let them catch me. I'm not going to bet. And I'm like, hey, can we call the game? I'm going to play conservative. You won't. I'm not going to do anything stupid. You won't be able to catch me. And the people I'm working with say no. Bunch of like, stuff. And I offer them. I was like, hey, let's split the pot. I offer to give up more of the money, but they insist on playing it out. And I offer them a cut five times, but they still insist on playing it out. And the game ends. Jack Comstock, enemy of the show, only pays me out $100. How is that possible? And Yeah, and I, I went for the cut. They insisted I play it out, and I got the money, and somehow I, you're going to ruin my night. You're going to hurt my financial reward. And I was livid about this. I've never won anything and been so upset. I don't understand how you didn't get paid. You won the whole. You you ended up knocking everyone out. How long did yeah. you play for? I won a hundred dollars, but I I think I I deserve a hundred and sixty dollars. The rest of the pot. Why didn't who else got that money? I don't understand. Well, they're Jack's bowling alley friends, and our friend Jack he works at a bowling alley, and he's has the misunderstanding that that's something interesting to do. So he has all this loyalty to the bowling alley workers. So he's going to side with the bowling alley over his friends every time. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, we were running the table for a while. I knocked out three people, um, two in one hand. I was having some of the best games of my life. And then I came at the big dog, and uh, you took me down. Yeah, that was the best poker game of my night. I think I knocked out nine people total. So out of a 16-person game, that's pretty good. I just think I played so well deserve some sort of reward and like the last hour of the game though it's like no one's playing hands if you raise they'll fold so it's like i was just caught in this game i couldn't leave without giving up my money so these dudes had held me hostage for two hours we couldn't record the podcast because of it I, i told them hey i don't work at a bowling alley i've got shit i need to do can we please wrap this up so i can just get ahead in my life and they said no and i took the laws for it so I don't I, I if I'm not a violent person, but if I meet these guys I played with, I promise you I will throw them through a plate glass window. I can't believe that. That's crazy because, you know, I mean, we by the time I got knocked out, it was we had been playing for I don't even know, maybe 40, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. The, that's a long game. They did that, too. They, that's what they were doing. They were just trying to sweat you out. Yeah, and it's like, I'm not going to be sweat out, but I was just playing on the couch, and I was so irritated with everybody. Yeah. Uh, are you going to play? I think you're going to play again later this week. Uh, you're going to not play, are you? I'm done with it. I hate those guys. Yeah. I'm funny. really, I've been requesting $60 from Jack on Venmo every five minutes. I think, I think he's, I've, I've uninvited Jack from my wedding, so... <laughs> Oh, that, that is an escalation. Well, his plus one was going to be his bowling buddy, so. <laughs> yeah, that's the only hole that'll take him in, his bowling ball. Hey. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't get mad easily, but this just set me off. Like, I was just sitting in bed pissed off for two hours. It's like, I don't have a job. And, like, I've lost $20,000 in the stock market, but I'm livid about losing this $60. Well, I mean, especially, you know, that was coming. That's your money that you literally fought for in that game. So I, I understand that. Yeah. And if you're going to make me fight for it, let me have it. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, oh, oh well, what can you do? That's yeah. how we go. Um, there is uh, probably a silver lining of all this. Friend of the show, Martin Shkreli. You might know him as the most evil man on Wall Street. We know him as a personal friend. He's campaigning to be released from federal prison in Pennsylvania so he can spend three months working on a vaccine for coronavirus. I like that because most people in jail, like, um, who was it? Some, uh, oh, R. Kelly was like, I need to be let out of jail. I'm going to get corona and die. And Martin Shkreli is like, no, no, I need to be let out because I'm going to cure this shit. Yeah, I, I need to be let out. You are going to be get coronavirus and die. Yeah. Um, I. It's nice because sometimes, you know, every once in a while, we don't hear any news stories from him. And then he gives us a nice, a sweet little gem like this. And they're still calling him a pharma bro, which I know he hates that. We, he hates it. Yeah, and he's too old to be a pharma bro. He just turned 37. Happy birthday, Martin. You should have let him out just for that. Yeah, we could have taken him to Chuck E. Cheese or maybe uh, Dave and & Buster's. And you know what? They they did all this work to, to like victimize Screlly for the price fixing he did on Daraprim, the HIV medication. He jacked up to $750 a pill from $1,350 per pill. Yeah. But it's still that much money. Right. He, they let him do it. It's like they just let him take the fall for it. Like they kept it up there and they were like, well, we got him. And they're like, are you going to lower the prices? And they were like, no, we got him. Yeah, and if the attorney general, I believe this was the Southern District, which it's always the Southern District with financial crimes, they should have taken measures to at least fix the price back to a certain level, like punishing Shkreli without correcting his actions is a pretty empty gesture in my book. And come on, let him out, give him a chance at least having one more person in a laboratory working on this could be great. And I know we'll probably have to pay like $13,000 for the vaccine, but it'll be <laughs> worth it just to go back to work again. That's why he wants to cure it. He wants to cure it because he, can, he knows he can make a huge profit. Yeah, honestly, the only thing that'll make the coronavirus process, the quarantine worthwhile, is if we let Shkreli out of prison, he works on a vaccine, and then he gets it. And he does the price fixing again. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if this were a, if life were a movie? That's what would happen. Yeah, and he would be he would be easy to cast. Elijah Wood could play him. Emil Hirsch, who I think is pre- pretty too problematic to cast these days, he could play him. Michael Sarah, maybe. Michael Sarah, and um, you know, there's a couple old SNL cast members who. Could could have a good go at it. I think Kyle Mooney could give us some interesting looks as a Martin Shkreli. Would love to see it. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, well, you know, they're making all kinds. I feel like they're making, they're, they're going to make a, t- it's, I haven't heard if this is confirmed or not, but uh, if they're going to make a Tiger King movie, any movie can be made. Anything is possible. Do we really need a Tiger King movie like... There was a documentary that worked. We all know the story. Like, it's the sort of vapid recycling culture that is broken and needs fixing. Like, Tiger King worked because it was like an original transfixing idea. And now we're going to go back to the well already. Right. And how, I mean, part of the movie business, I feel, is embellishing and, and you know, kind of making things more interesting. How much more interesting do you need that story to be? How much more can they 
can they really add on top of that to make it not, you know, to make it crazier? Just yeah, I, I think they could just have a marry four straight guys instead of two. I think that would work. Yeah, they're going to make that one guy lose a couple more teeth. He had too many teeth in the documentary. Yeah, poor, he's like, he looks like Dave Batista if he was sold at Family Dollar. Oh my God, <laughs> he does, he does look like him. Did you see his new pictures? He's got teeth now. He looks, he's a pretty good looking guy now that he's got his teeth. No. What's yeah. his, what was his name? I could not tell you his name. I just know that he has a lot of tattoos and uh, he was shirtless in every interview he did. Absolutely. That's the only way to do an, do an interview. Oh, he does have teeth. He's looking good, actually. teeth. Man, one he, of the I, fun parts of that whole thing for me was they were like, "We're not gay," and they were. He was like, "You're not gay." He was like, "Well, when you're watching porn, do you like a big dick or a small dick?" And he was like, "I guess I like a big dick." And they were like, "Oh, well, that's pretty gay." <laughs> <laughs> like in big dicks and porn is gay. So Joel, you might be gay. Uh, I don't watch too much porn. I I share one room with my girlfriend, and I have very few opportunities. Yeah. So. I guess I'm asexual. Asexual what? Ah, all right. Um, did you see? Well, so we were talking a little bit about sports gambling, um, or not sports gambling, the gambling. Did you see what the? I don't know if I sent you this or not, and I don't. I don't see this in the uh, the outline. But did you see the uh, Wimbledon's insurance um, policy paid out? Yes. Um, Wimbledon, I guess, has paid for pandemic insurance for eight, for years on end, not seeing any recoup. 20 years. And now Wimbledon is canceled because of the coronavirus and they're getting a fat sum. Wimbledon is coming out on top. How much are they getting? $141 million. Okay, which is like, that's for a, for a, for a tournament of that measure, like... That probably just replicates the television revenue they would have gotten. I think they're making less money than before. But hats off to Wimbledon for seeing this coming, for not telling it to the rest of the world. Maybe they were telling us, but just the judge said, shush, quiet, yeah. please. Thank yeah. you. Well, the, the, so they're, it's going to offset their estimated revenue loss of about 250 million euros. I think that's euros. I don't know what that is. The yeah, upside must, down three. Yeah, so they're, they're losing like 60 million instead of 300. So good for them. It's crazy to think that the Wimbledon Commission or whatever, they were more prepared for this than the uh, United States government. Yeah, you're being anxious, and turns out that's the right way to be during these times. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, it's update the, the they updated the um, insurance par- policy around the SARS outbreak in 2002. Yeah, and you know we we've talked in the past about Lloyd's of London, a stock we own that's been doing pretty horribly for us, to be honest with you. But they are the the bank that insures all the athletes. So it seems like athletic insurance is a lot more innovative and creative in the United Kingdom. So I wonder if this is just an extension of that cultural belief. Well, it's funny you say that because um, the British Open also uh, is covered by um, pandemic insurance. So uh, it's all the, the high-end sports, tennis, golf, I would imagine, um, you know. Horse racing. Horse racing, <laughs> cricket, perhaps. Is cricket a high-end sport? Because cricket is a sport that the games can last 
days on end, and like I don't think high end people have three days to kill on a cricket match. You might be right about that. Also, I feel like cricket sounds fancy, but it's really not. Cricket, it sounds like a bug, so I don't think it's too fancy. Maybe bocce ball? There's probably a bocce ball tournament that's been covered by pandemic insurance. Yeah, we got to get pandemic insurance for the pod. That's true. We do. We should. Well, you know, it seems like we are doing. We can still do the pod, so unfortunately I don't think it will pay out. You'd be like, oh, yeah, but it's not really as good, so can we get some money? Yeah, please. Um and yeah, I, th- I think a big part of finance, just to move along with the show, we wonder where we are in regards to the rest of the world. And I looked at the average 401k balance for Americans in different walks of life. So if you are between the ages of 20 and 29 years old, what do you think the average 401k balance is? Um, I honestly, um, let's see. Ten, five grand, ten grand, ten grand. Um, the medium ba- medium balance is four thousand three hundred. The average balance is eleven eight. Oh, okay. So average is eleven eight. Yeah. I don't have. Do you have a? You don't have a four hundred one k, do you? Well, I have a Roth IRA, and I have a old four hundred one k from my job at the shitty um, furniture company West Elm. And I've got about nine thousand in there, and I have I've got like thirty four thousand dollars in retirement savings. Oh, that's huge! Yeah, it's huge. And if, if for the ages of thirty to thirty nine, the average balance is forty two hundred four hundred dollars. So I have six years to make seven thousand dollars, and I'm staying on track. Wow, that's amazing! Uh, I don't actually have a Roth IRA or four hundred one k, and I, I feel. Uh, like an idiot, and honestly, when I get when I get back to my day job of doing tours in about you know five years, uh, whenever this clears up, um, I think I'm gonna get I'm gonna sign up for the 401k because I believe that my company will match whatever I put in. Uh, so I'm just leaving money on the table. Yeah, and anyone listening to this, if you don't match your 401k, it's the biggest mistake you can make. Um, companies will give you up to 6% and that just goes such a long way in the long term and you won't recognize it on your weekly paycheck. Yeah, it's not enough to, I mean, I think we talked about this before, but I think the best way to save is to take out an amount every paycheck and it's going to be small enough that you aren't going to notice it right away, but it will slowly add up. I mean, I've been doing this. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but that 52-week challenge where every every week I take um, a bit of my money out of my my um, paychecks and my <laughs> it's going to be hard to do now. But and you put it in a separate account and it just builds and builds and builds and you don't notice it every week, but it does add up. I think that's especially with a 401k when you've got a company that's going to match you, they're going to give you free money. It's like Ah, you have to do it. Yeah, and 401k, it happened, like we make our own investments, but 401k is pre-taxes, so you really don't see too much of a difference between them. Right, they only tax you when you pull it out, right? Yeah, and if you wait until you're after six, 60, or I think it's 65 years old, you don't get, you don't lose anything. And it accrues quickly. So people are, if you're adding to your money, it's going to go up in value. So the average 401k balance for the ages of 40 to 49 years old is $102,700. So looking at my perspective, I have 16 years to save save or accrue with my investments. 
$60,000. And even if I don't touch it, I should be at that benchmark. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you're on the right track. It's, it's amazing to think about. When you were doing this, did it kind of get you excited about how good of a job you're doing with it? Yeah, it's a, and like my, I use Wealthfront, which is a pretty prevalent robo advisor where artificial intelligence manages my portfolio and my holdings, and it shows me that I will have roughly one million dollars at the age of sixty-five. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a, it's good to be the king, and all I have to do is just stay the path, work my life. Hopefully, there will be nothing unforeseen that changes my professional history. So. <laughs> You know, if there wasn't a pandemic, I'd be living lush. I'd be in the sauna right now, Maddie. Yeah, well, that's definitely on my um, – that is definitely one of my things I'm going to do when, when this all cools down and I get to go back to work is definitely get my 401k set up. Cause I feel oh, like I, I thought it was going to be going to the sauna. When oh, things I mean, cool down, I'm going to heat up. That goes without saying. I miss the sauna. I love a dry sauna. I love it. I've been and, taking hot baths every day, but all I'm thinking when I'm in a hot bath is, man, I wish this was a hot room. And there is talk right now of like the Dow Jones, the S&P 500. They're going up. They're stabilizing. However, J.P. Morgan says the worst is yet to come. That you know, And if you look at bear markets historically, they have their initial big descent and they go a little bit lower from that valley. And the spirals of this are going to be pretty difficult. So recessions kind of give us weak demand, weak labor market, weak profits, weak credit markets, and low oil prices. And we've, we're hitting all those thresholds like immediately. And so for us to get there that quickly, um, it's going to get worse. And once the earnings forecast change, because you know, right now, the S&P 500 earnings per share estimates have only gone down 3%. But when this happens in the past in recessions, the earnings per share is altered by 20 to 40%. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think, like, it, in terms of just the money you're earning from your stocks, I think it's going to be drastically worse. And if we look of the pace of the economic recovery in China, we're going to see lower consumer spending, which leads to lower corporate profits, lower corporate investment, which brings us more job losses and further declines in consumer spending. It all rolls downhill. Yeah. And this cycle, even when the reason for the weakness is removed, the cycle continues because the tools and machinations of macroeconomics are so strong. This is trickle-down economics in the absolute reverse, except in this instance, it does reach the working-class people. Yeah, and I mean, the recovery of this, people, I mean, this is obviously a thing that's never happened before. The scale of this is huge. Um, but people don't realize that once the, once the social distancing is lessened, once they kind of lo like loosen up on that, that doesn't mean it's over. I mean, there's so this is going to be a this is going to affect us for years to come. The economy is going to take years to restart. Um, the you know they just released um, or they just like loosened up the uh, restrictions in Wuhan, China, and things obviously are not okay there. Like they haven't just restarted their lives. They didn't just pause their lives and get to jump back to where they were. 
No, it's going to be a slow, grueling process for all of us. We are here for it. But, you know, that's why we do. We join the whistleblower program. That's why we get coronavirus and sue our employers like someone's doing to Walmart. Did you see that people are there doing a class action lawsuit against Fox uh, News? Oh, wow. Because they were supposed they were reporting a bunch of, um, I don't know, a bunch of, I hate to use the term, but a bunch of fake news about coronavirus. And so they are a big a group of people are suing Fox News because they're like, you spread this fake news and it costs people their lives and blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, I was wondering because we, you know, in the past I've used being litigious as a way to accomplish my goals. I'm wondering if, if the only way I'll potentially get through to the New York unemployment office is if I just file a claim against them. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not a bad thought, but I also feel like they are probably knee deep in uh, lawsuits right now at the moment. I mean, you look at six million people. I mean, I haven't seen an exact number, but what we probably said this already on the podcast. But during the Great Depression, uh, unemployment peaked at twenty four point five percent. It's got to be. We have to be past that. We're well yeah. past. That We're past thirty percent right now. So and, I mean, you you file a lawsuit against them. That's just one more for them to add to the pile, I would imagine. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then you know, it's just a way to get things done a little bit more quickly. And like, we're kind of seeing the ideas of the Andrew Yang campaign come to life. Yeah, and I want to know how he feels about this because they're you know I haven't gotten my check yet for uh, for whatever twelve hundred dollars, but. Um, it's funny because you had all these people out there being like, where's the money going to come from? You can't just give $1,000 out, blah, blah, blah. And now those same people are like, give me my money. I need it now. Yeah. Where's the money going to come from? We just print more money. We can make another trillion dollar coin today. Yeah. Money is a construct. It's true. And it rules our lives. But it's true. And you know what? The mil- the billion, the trillion dollar coin, also a construct. We love it. You know, I would trade this all. I don't even need the coin. I don't even need the money. Just let me hold the coin. That's all I need. Yeah, I would love to see the coin. How big is it? Can I put it in a vending machine? How much will it give me back in change? Yeah, I I think it's pretty small, but, you know, it's a coin. If If it's too big, it's no longer a coin. A coin is, if it's bigger than the diameter of a coffee cup, it becomes a Frisbee. That's true. That is actually a good point. Um, I think the the biggest coin you can have the Kennedy half dollar. Nothing is bigger than a Kennedy. Yeah, Kennedy Kennedy half dollar. Um, those you can usually find in the Maryland bays. So <laughs> you can always go dredging them up. Yeah. Well, what was, didn't one of the Kennedys' kids die recently? Yeah, yeah. One of the Kennedys and their son got lost in a canoeing accident. That was the issue i was making light of oh oh right i thought you were talking about the plane crash yeah no in in this instance celebrity deaths came in three and a half uh woo, all right detroit tiger great al Kaline, and then a kennedy and child all right we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. no um when i was i was i think 13 years old when that plane crashed uh and- 
JFK Juniors? Yeah, and we were in Minneapolis in a hotel. We went to the Mall of America, and we were in a hotel. And I remember watching the footage of them trying to find the plane on the... Uh, yeah, I've never been able to. I, I think I, I was alive for it. I didn't care at the time. John F. Kennedy Jr., like the way he was presented, he was just a personality from People magazine. The whole Kennedy's thing is very interesting to me uh, in that I don't understand why it's important, but it clearly is to people. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you look at like the, the hopes that a president has emboldened the American people with, it's John F. Kennedy is probably the leader of the pack. Imagine if it was Obama, if Obama was taken out in his second term before history got to show how shady of a president he really was. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a well, that's actually I, when you put it that way, that really does add some context. But yeah, it's no different than like Kurt Cobain dying and now Nirvana's considered the greatest band of the 90s. Like if if they if Nirvana would have all the members would have survived, you know, they, I think they'd probably just be another one of the Seattle bands, but because you get you had an early exit, it becomes seminal. It's no different than Kobe Bryant like it's a tragedy, but nothing could be better for his long-term meaning to the game of basketball. What? Yeah, what a way to end. I mean, it's obviously you know devastating, but what a way to end the story. Yeah, and I, my good friend Nate Fritzen said this. He says, I'm not mourning Kobe. I'm mourning the guys he jumped on the all-time ranking list who he doesn't deserve to be in front of. <laughs> Shaq. Tim Duncan, Hakeem, Wilt Chamberlain. I'm sorry, you're all taking a backseat to Kobe because he was theatrical, and that's how it is with the Kennedys. Interesting. Okay. Well, and also, it's nice to have a president that's got an accent like that, you know? Yeah, I am not talking about, ooh, that's better than I thought it would be. That is pretty good. This war is retarded. We cannot go war. In all other developments of our economic cycle of news, there is a dearth of promising opportunities in the retail sector, both online and in-store. So Macy's and Gap, and Gap, massive layoffs, massive furloughs, and, you know, you, you think that makes sense. They have so many sh- um, outlets. There's going to be a lot of rents they have to pay, but this also is affecting like direct to consumer companies like Everlane and Rent the Runway, who've also had a really hard time and had to do layoffs. Right. And it is interesting to see what companies are actually doing a good job with this. And probably my favorite personal brand, Nike, is support is reporting surprisingly good numbers, even though the company relies so much on a Chinese market that's just decimated. Right. The sneaker culture and, and basketball obviously is very big in China. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me at all. I yeah, a lot of kids out there want to grow up and be Wang ZZ. <laughs> my favorite. I have a Wang ZZ rookie card. It's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty rare. I actually woke up this morning with an email from Nike with a uh, 40% off coupon if I shop through the Nike app. So, Oh, will you uh, give me I'm that? On, what's that? Will you give me that? Uh, I don't know if I can if we can use it twice. Yeah. Um, I hate to do this on the show, but I've been running a lot and I don't have any running shoes. So my mom, she, she just got her first social security payment and she feels boomer guilt. 
So she gave me $200 so I can buy some running shoes. Oh, boy. You shouldn't run. You have a bad knee. No, I'm doing Pilates. My knee's no longer bad. Oh, all right. He's a and good if I, if, if I weigh less, my knee will be even better. Um, one of my knees is really giving me a lot of pain, but the good news is it's actually the good knee. Ah, okay. Well, that is good news. Um, yeah, I'll send it to you after this, but it's interesting to me because I wonder what kind of promos they're sending out to, to not to stay relevant, but to, to make profit during this time. Because, I mean, I'm not buying – I haven't. I had no plans of buying sneakers for a while, um, but – I mean, that 40% off coupon is very tempting. So I might give a little peek around and see if I can order some shoes or something while I'm here. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Okay, well, well, we'll see if we can get two different shipping addresses. And Nike, you know, this is actually kind of, it's not just that they're a good company or having sales. They've had a strategy in place for years that was kind of, we're moving digital. We're tailoring directly to the consumer. And when sales took a hit, the company was able to tap into and build on all their really powerful digital channels. Like in China, Nike digital sales rose 30% in China during the coronavirus lockdown. And the sales have only fell by 5% total. And the best thing they did, they have this fitness app that connects you to an expert trainer network. And you, it gives their consumers help staying active while being cooped up. That app, the usage rate rose 80% in China, and they're doing the same thing in the United States, launching a Play Inside campaign to tie its Nike Training Fitness, Nike Training Club Fitness app to its consumers. It is interesting to see the, the who knew. I mean, I guess Nike, obviously a big company, and they have a very wide reach. But I didn't realize how much investing they were doing in, you know, in that virtual workout space. Um, and it's interesting to see, too, because a couple months ago, we were talking about Peloton. We've seen ads on the subway for those mirror, those workout mirror things. And, you know, you think who's going to use these. And now it's like we have, you know, millions of people that can't go to their gyms and can't work out. So uh, yeah, I isn't going to use these. And, and gyms will come back. Um, I know gyms will come back because more cruise tickets have been bought since coronavirus was implemented than they would have otherwise. Oh, I mean, it's crazy because people love a deal more than they love their safety. lives. Yeah. So, I don't think I'll ever go on a cruise. Um, well, one of my issues before this, like, I vowed never to go on a cruise, even before coronavirus. It just reminded me of how people acted in wa the film Wally. -E. So, I just yeah. don't want to be in a safe environment, fed food, fed it, given entertainment, like, I'm an adventure. I want to be out in the world. I don't want to be just a person in a cabin living the same life as a thousand other people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever do it. Um, you know, and they've got all these niche crew. There's the like, there's the 311 cruise and there's. Like, I would go on that. You would? Yeah, I like 311. I don't really care about 311. They're like a jam band, right? No, they're like uh, a jam band meets uh, pop punk. Uh, all right. Well, I just know that they have a bass player that's like he's like a big part of the band. So anytime the bass player is a big part, not a huge fan. Oh, come on. Megan Trainer said it best. It's all about that bass, baby. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Where's she? Is she OK? My Where God. Where is she? I, I know she's doing better than Adele. Adele, who's, who's worth one hundred ninety million. 
um, was ordered to pay her ex-husband $150 million in the divorce. Is it because of all the songs she wrote about him? It has to be because of all the songs. So truly we are seeing toxic masculinity pays its dividends in divorce court. Hats off to that king. And, you know, my deepest condolences to Adele. It doesn't seem right, but you know what? She, her, you hear Adele having something bad happen to her, and you're like, oh, we're going to get an album out of this. Yeah, but you know the worst part about being Adele's ex is you don't get to enjoy the song she wrote. He can't, you, ever listen, he can't ever listen to her. She's amazing, and he can't ever listen to it. I don't know. I think I'd enjoy it. This song gave me a hundred million. <laughs> That's, every time he streams it, he's like, there's another hundred dollars. There's another hundred dollars. Yeah, and you know, it works out for everybody because this guy gets paid. And then what's bad for Adele is what's bad for Adele's finances is great for Adele's music. So it's absolutely going to work out for everyone. She's like Drake. Yeah, she's like, I won't be able to sign my name on any checks, but I'll use my hand in my songwriting notebook. <laughs> what was this Taco Bell story you sent me? Uh, oh, hang on here. Let me find it. Um, oh, yeah. Taco Bell. Cause I honestly have eaten Taco Bell a lot lately. Uh, Taco Bell workers protest painful and absurd free taco deal that they say is causing customers to swarm to stores during the coronavirus, which is the opposite of what, you know, most places are trying to do. They're trying to um, keep people in. The I've been watching a lot of like regular TV and so many ads are like, stay in. Please don't come. We'll bring the food to you. But Taco Bell is like, come on, we gotta, we're gonna give you a free taco. Um, taco Tuesday deal is sparking backlash from workers who are concerned that customers flooding drive-throughs could increase their likelihood of exposure to the coronavirus. So the insides are still closed, and every time I've gone to Taco Bell the last couple weeks, it has been through the drive-through. Um, but uh, Taco Bell manager told Business Insider, traffic in his store stores has doubled due to the deal, which is called probably the most painful and absurd thing they could have done during this time. Yeah, and fast food workers are taking the brunt of this, and this is a pretty empty gesture by the conglomerate that is Yum Foods. And you know what? They did this, and their stock price has gone up over the week. They started the week at $65 a share. They're now up to $80 a share, probably wow. in large part because of so many people coming to Taco Bell. On April 7th, uh, they gave all customers who visited the, the chain via the drive-thru a free Doritos Locos Tacos. And, they, so, and I, you know, I'm not a fan of the Doritos Loco Taco. I think it's a, it's a little bit low on the Taco Bell hierarchy, but... If that's going to get me in the door, get me some more interesting apps, damn it. We're talking about how you shouldn't go to Taco Bell, and all I want right now is to go to Taco Bell. It's interesting. I mean, I think the Doritos Locos Taco is too gimmicky for me. It's like very, it's like a little, it's like a hack taco. It's like, what if we made a taco shell out of a Dorito? It's like, all right, that's whatever, I, I guess. In Taco Bell, they always roll out these interesting menu items that are fantastic. And of all these gimmick items, it's disheartening to me that the Doritos Loco Taco is the one that it's become a backbone of the Taco Bell brand. I, I remember when it came out. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be around that long. But, you know, all of Yum! brand is like that. Um, if you look at all of their all of the companies they own, they own KFC. KFC 
I mean, can you imagine what the colonel, the colonel rolling in his grave, do you hear that whirring sound? That's him spinning like a top. Um, they have like the chicken sandwich with like donuts as the bun. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? You're kidding. The colonel, oh, I wish, don't bring back Jesus this Easter. Bring back the colonel because he needs to come and crack some heads. All right. Well, it's getting too crazy out there. The best was they had the double down sandwich, which was there was two pieces of fried chicken as the bread. And then they put bacon, cheese, and a special sauce in between it. And that wasn't enough for me. I went to KFC in Dayton, Ohio, and I ordered off the menu. I got a triple down. What? What is that? I made them put another layer of bacon, cheese, and sauce and another piece of chicken on top of it. Did you have to come back on the counter and help them make that? That seems like you, you had to No, like I went there and like they were like, oh, my gosh. This is a good idea. In the article I hear about Taco Bell, it says a Taco Bell manager independently reached out to the to Business Insider, where I'm reading this from, uh, to express concerns about Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, and anyone who is going to work right now, like, I think they have the thought of like, oh, maybe I'll be a whistleblower and I'll turn in my company. Like, hey, oh. I'll get 30% of my days off. I talked to my sister about this. Uh, the number of not only the number of divorces, obviously divorces after this going to be crazy, going to be insane. But lawsuits after this, there are going to be so many lawsuits uh, after this. It's going to be wild. Yeah. And I, I, it's going to the courts are going to be caught up in everything for years and years. It'll be amazing to see how the U.S. court system deals with the influx of cases and like. How's a New York eviction going to work? Yeah, because they put it, they put a pause on all of that stuff. Um, I wonder how long that pause will be. I wonder how. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and before we go, you know, congratulations. We have another Georgia representative, David Perdue, bought stock after um, coronavirus briefing, misreported it to his constituents. Congrats to the great state of Georgia. Yeah, another winner from the South. And, you know, just to talk uh, with our, our great criminal, Kelly Leffler, firing back, saying she's part of a witch hunt, saying that she's just doing average, average stock trading, and she announced that she will no longer be trading stocks but very quietly, it was included in the same article that she will be trading ETFs and mutual funds. Yeah, yeah. See, that's fucking bullshit. It's also, too, like, well, I'm no longer going to be trading. It's like, oh, you're no longer going to be trading if you've made a huge profit for a long time? Congratulations. You're a hero. Yeah, I'll just be doing a more stable, less forma, less less chance type of trading. But yeah. the only good news with Kelly Leffler is that she's running for re-election and she is – 23% down in the polls. Well, we love to see that. She tweeted out some video that was like all inspiring. And I just kept commenting. We fucking hate you. Yeah. I, I, I always shared the Kelly Leffler news with a picture of a guillotine attached. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. Just unadulterated hate for that uh, woman and those people. Richard Burr. Fuck all of that. Cool. Well, do you have anything you want to plug, Maddie? I got nothing. Um, I got nothing, really. Nothing uh, too exciting. Nothing coming up. Um, yeah. Cool. Follow me on Instagram, Matt Bagasucks. That's about it. Well, I will be 
I, I've filmed three episodes of my Zoom game show in action. The first one with Rob Hayes will be dropping on Monday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then I will have new episodes of it every Monday. I am getting a new NFL podcast with the Props Network pilot on. It's really fun. There's video aspects of it. And please support these pros- these projects because they are the only potential thing that's putting money in my pocket. Yeah, and they're all good ideas. Yeah, I mean, it sucks to do something over Zoom. There's so many hard things to deal with. It's never going to be as good as something you would even film on your phone, but it's fun, it's interactive, and there's certainly some laughs in there. Yeah, I think it'll be great. <laughs> I think it'll be yeah, I think it'll be great. I'm excited to check it out. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to stop the recording, and I'll talk to you next week. Matt, you want to stay on the line? Yeah.